0: Our country is in decline. This decline is not inevitable, it's a choice. As some others, like you may have on this stage, it's morning in America speech. It is not morning in America. We live in a dark moment, and we have to confront the fact that we're in an internal, sort of cold, cultural civil you war. You are equating and we have to the American people the with the failed win. government
1: in Washington, D.C. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT <laughs> standing up here... You know, Boeing you came off of it, but you've been pushing this lie. Stage, you've been pushing this you lie had, all week. You, you okay, get let me address
0: that. I'm glad you, you brought that up. Go give I'm going to address each of those right now. You oh, the make America less of You have no me, foreign policy experience, and it shows. And you know what? The that you
2: <laughs> well, that went well. I enjoyed it. I hope you did, too. Well,
0: scared in case I fall off my chair. Not scared. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck I am. in the middle with you. I am.
2: From the Pacifica Radio Network, this is the broadcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains, K-K-R-N, up in Oregon on the Central Coast, on KYAQ, Cottage Groves, Queso, Eugene's K-E-P-W, Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's K-A-K-U. In Columbus, Ohio on W G-R-N, Palinville, New York's W-L-P-P, Rochester, New York's W-R-F-Z. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on K-N-I-Z concord new hampshire's wnhn fayetteville Arkansas's kpsq in seattle on kodx Janesville, wisconsin's wadr and minneapolis st paul's am 950 ktnf we also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internet so the progressive voices channel netroots radio radio for humans nicole sandler.com radio free brooklyn no lies radio burden square radio Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites, Blanketing Planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us for special coverage today. Uh, before we get there, Desi Doyen, I, I I don't know if it's the biggest news of the day, but for me, at least, it was actually the most surprising Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis has filed a motion in her 41-count-19 co-defendant Rico racketeering conspiracy case in Georgia, which uh, lead defendant Donald John Trump is scheduled to be booked on at the Fulton County Jail uh, within the next few hours here. Uh, She has filed a motion asking the judge in that case for a trial start date of October 23.
3: Oh, it's on
2: just about just about two months from now.
3: Yeah, she's, uh, she's not wasting any time. No,
2: I guess I don't know that she'll get that date, but that uh, seems to me earlier than anyone had been speculating was even possible. We will try, we'll see, but we'll try to get to that with our panel of special coverage guests today momentarily following Wednesday's Fox News-sponsored first of the 2024 election season Republican presidential debate in Milwaukee, Wisconsin on Wednesday night. Eight of the Republican presidential candidates currently vying to be the leading alternative to current far and away frontrunner Donald Trump fought sometimes bitterly over things like abortion rights, U.S. support for Ukraine, and the type of experience needed to manage an expansive federal government during the first debate of the 2024 Presidential campaign season. Now, just in case we fail to reference some of these folks in our conversation, let me just uh, sort of name them, get them all out of the way here. The eight candidates on stage on Wednesday, in order of what I think is their general polling popularity numbers at least before the Wednesday debate, were Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, 38-year-old entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, who, if you hadn't heard of him before last night, you probably have now, former Vice President Mike Pence, former South Carolina governor and U.S. ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, South Carolina's sitting U.S. Senator Tim Scott, Former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson and current North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, who, if you hadn't heard of him before last night you might still have no idea who he is today. But uh, when it uh, it came to arguably the most consequential choice facing this party this year and next, virtually everyone on the debate stage in Milwaukee lined up behind, or at least did not overtly attack, Donald Trump, who, for his part, chickened out of participating, citing his commanding lead over the current also-rans. Most uh, said that they would support Trump as their nominee, if he, even if he is convicted in a series of felony cases in which he is now indicted, ranging from theft, mishandling, and obstruction of the return of highly classified documents under the Espionage Act, hush money payments to a porn star to help him win the 2016 election, And, yes, multiple failed efforts to steal the 2020 election, for which he is being charged at both the federal level and in the battleground state of Georgia on racketeering conspiracy charges there in the face of such an unprecedented moment in American politics. And we've had a whole lot of unprecedented moments in American, especially American presidential politics in recent years. (laughs) True. Uh, such a support for the uh, disgraced former president by candidates uh, for president in his own party sort of underscores the power that Trump continues to wield in that party and the reluctance of most GOP White House hopefuls to directly confront him. And as AP argues in their coverage, it speaks to the struggle of any single candidate in the field to emerge as a credible counter to Trump, with less than five months until the Iowa caucuses formally jumpstart the GOP presidential nomination process. Then again, there are still five months until the Iowa caucuses formally jumpstart the GOP nomination process, and a lot can happen in those months. The challenge of overcoming Trump's current dominance in the party is particularly acute for Ron DeSantis, who announced his campaign to much fanfare of just a few months ago, but has struggled to gain any traction at all. In fact, he seems to be losing ground by the day. He was often eclipsed on Wednesday night by lower polling candidates, including an aggressive and colorful and sometimes obnoxious Ramaswamy. Uh, And who I thought was a surprisingly uh, steady and confident former vice president, Mike Pence, occasionally uh, known better among Donald Trump faithful as Hang Mike Pence, even as he positioned himself as the most experienced candidate on the stage. Pence, along with Chris Christie and Nikki Haley, sparred frequently with Ramaswamy, who appeared to dominate much of the discussion throughout the night. While the goal for almost every candidate at the event might have been to displace DeSantis from his second place standing, few, if any, spent much time at all going after the two-term Florida governor and once great white hope for the party. While the candidates mostly refused to oppose Trump as the nominee, even if he becomes a convicted felon, the questions uh about any of that did not come until nearly an hour into the debate and a day before trump was to surrender in georgia on charges of trying to steal the state's 2020 election the moderators appeared apologetic about even raising the issue about all of that about donald trump and his political uh, his uh, legal woes Uh, And of a potentially incarcerated nominee saying that they would spend just a, quote, brief moment discussing the man who they called the elephant not in the room. That drew boos from this particular audience. In fact, in Fox's opening package introducing the debate, they barely even referenced or referred to Trump much less his legal troubles. In fact, they skipped right from photos of events uh, from 2020 that briefly included the pandemic and protests against the police killing of George Floyd and skipped right on up, two years ahead, right up to the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade in 2022. It was as if the largest criminal prosecution in the history of the country following the Trump-incited insurrection at the U.S. Capitol in hopes of stealing the 2020 election for the American people, as if that never happened at all. Former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson was the only person who clearly refused to raise his hand to indicate that he would not support Trump as the nominee if he was convicted, even as I think all the candidates raised their hands when asked if they thought Mike Pence did the right thing in following the law and the Constitution and not Stealing the election during the certification of the Electoral College vote on January six. Well, Christie kind of did a half wave. Uh, yeah, joining us now to uh, try and decode those half waves and much more. Uh, after another. Insane Republican presidential debate, if only the first insane Republican presidential debate debate of the 2024 season. Two of our favorite special coverage panelists from what he lovingly describes as flyover country, Illinois, where he produces his weekly professional left podcast and his no fair remembering stuff podcast. With his wife, Fran, otherwise known as Blue Gal, is our old friend Driftglass, also known as Mr. Electrico on the site formerly known as Twitter and otherwise occasionally known as just Bill. Welcome back, Mr. Driftglass, hoping you're surviving the brutal heat I understand is now suffocating the center of the country right about now.
4: Yeah, well, thank you. It's an honor being here, as always. And if we have time at the end, I will explain to you what Corn Sweat is and why it's hurting my brain.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, somehow we're going to have to make time for that. Uh, Anyway, uh, also, uh, and I should note, from much cooler climbs, hopefully, near the L.A. coastline, we're also joined by our longtime special coverage champion, Longtime proprietor of Digby's Hullabaloo blog and longtime award-winning Salon.com hol- columnist Heather Digby Parton, welcome back, Digby or Heather, uh, as the mood may strike me today.
5: <laughs> Glad to be here. You can call me whatever you like, Brad. All
2: right. Thank you very kindly. Uh, let's see. I'll call you Ms. Parton, and I will start with you. <laughs> I turned on the debate uh, in the middle of the of the of the show, I guess we should call it, after finishing up our, our broadcast yesterday, I did watch it all by the end of the night. But I heard the when I turned on, I heard the hooting and the shouting and the booing. And it occurred to me that the GOP is now more a lynch mob than a political party. <laughs> uh, you know, nonetheless, I note in some of your recent writings that you at least regard Republican presidential debates as your favorite part of the presidential season Underscoring that you, in fact, are a glutton. So, <laughs> how uh, how did you enjoy last night's nanny in the uh, key battleground state of Wisconsin? From sort of, let's start from a thirty thousand foot overview perspective before we work our way into some of the dirty details.
5: Well, yeah, as I did write, I mean, I have always enjoyed the GOP debates mainly because, you know, to me they sort of expose the uh you know the the kind of you know less than than uh, exceptional sort of talent that they produce <laughs> i have to say though that last night i found it a little depressing and and it was not as much fun as i expected it to be um and mainly because you know i mean i was kind of looking forward to the idea that trump wouldn't be there Um, But he was there in spirit and certainly Mm -hmm. in the in the person of Vivek Ramaswamy, Mm -hmm. he just seemed to sort of, you know, he's been Mm. uh, he kind of channeled him, I think, in many ways and performed that that role for the for the debate, the 30,000 foot view for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that it, it? Changed absolutely nothing. I, I mean, maybe Ramaswamy comes up a little bit. It seemed in the focus groups that they that they liked him, and of course they would because mm. he was a jackass, and so naturally they loved that. <laughs> um, and, and, and you know, I don't think I. You know, DeSantis, I think he just continues his his downward, you know, spiral, mm. his Pragocian spiral. If oh you, if
2: you will, man! If you
5: will, to bring make it a little contemporary for yeah, this week. Yeah,
2: thank know. you very much. Um,
5: Oh, no, working nice, dark nice, nice i do appreciate good. that hey yeah. Yeah, it is desantis we're talking about yeah here, so and you there. beat me He's to the punch is, so yeah he was screaming stone cold dead at a you know at a at a, a presidential debate so yeah. you know whatever well, what
2: was that about why was he screaming all the time From i don't the beginning, know. he was just shouting him.
5: he shouted through the whole thing and then gave these awkward completely you know insincere smiles oh those grimaces! He,
3: they were hilarious they were.
5: And and of course, there are memes all over the Internet now of this this grimace that he calls a smile. I mean, it was unbelievable. Obviously been coached. You know, you need to seem friendly, Ron. You know, instead it was like, you know, oh, my God, don't give them any nightmares. Yeah, no, he <laughs> because... seemed
2: uh, he actually I, I noticed that uh, several weeks ago after they had told him to be more friendly with people and he would go out and start smiling. And I noticed that uh, he, he looks like he's in pain when he's smiling. <laughs>
5: he does, (laughs) and of course the rest of us were in pain listening to him (laughs) um you know but the the, you know as far as the thirty thousand, i think one of the main takeaways that i have is that it did something to the mainstream media and i was when i I was watching it take place and then this morning starting to read some of the analysis Mm -hmm. i think i was right the mainstream media saw this as a hopeful sign Because golly gosh, Trump wasn't there, and yeah, Vivek acted a little out of turn. He's kind of obnoxious, but the rest of them had some very sincere and very important you know a policy um sort of objectives and agendas that really show that the party isn't completely the party of trump and that's mainly because nikki haley said some things that weren't exactly you know mega and you had chris christie who said a few things and mike pence was there talking about god and abortion and you know so the republicans really aren't that far gone after all i mean that is what the, i'm seeing throughout the mm. mainstream media sort of well it was kind of a hopeful sign and that's what depressed me the- because I'm just, there is no way. I mean, this is Trump's party, and good luck with that.
2: And he can cry if he wants to. And they all talked about God, by the way. I, I There was a lot of God in uh, that debate, more than I remember seeing in previous years. Uh, Bill slash Driftglass, uh, what was your uh, general takeaway from where, whatever the hell happened uh, on Wednesday night in Milwaukee?
4: Well, DeSantis was an angry elf, so he was... Uh, <laughs> very, very unhappy with everyone, and he continued his downward slide. I, I knew it was going to be just a joy to watch when they decided not to go with the Star-Spangled Banner or God Bless America, but it said with, with uh, Anthony Oliver's Ballad of the Agreement, oh, White Man, yeah. open the ceremonies and then ask everybody, what do you think of that song? Mm. Uh, it, was, it was painful to watch. Um, I think it is a meaningless exercise, but I have to wear a special pair of glasses because I, I have to remind myself constantly that none of this is for me. Mm. None of this has anything to do with me. This is a bunch of people who are... Uh, it's a gladiatorial contest put on by Fox News uh, mm. for people to shout and scream, get in each other's faces, and try to score points to get 30-second hits on Fox News the next day. All this was. Yeah. And I agree with Digby 100% that the that the mainstream media is just... They're dead to me. They, they cannot... They learned nothing from 2016, or they learned the most important lesson of all, which was, crap, it looks like the fascists might win. Let's suck up to them as much as we possibly can so we don't end up on a private plane falling out of the sky. (laughs) And overall, it was just, it was exactly as I expected. It was pretty much, um, everybody did their thing. Everybody was looking for a way in, and it was just uh, exhausting. The one thing that did surprise me, I guess, is that the first 15 minutes or so, They've been talking about the one thing that nobody in the base cares about. Trillions of dollars in deficit. Yeah. Oh my goodness, what about all those deficits? Yeah. And I really wanted them to run a little Chiron saying this section has been sponsored by Richard Uline and Ken Griffin. <laughs> only people who care about those things in the Republican Party are the donors. Well And the donors weren't there. The the mob was there. Th-
2: they uh, spent really the first hour uh, pretending as if uh, things were somehow normal before they even mentioned, as uh, Brett Baer uh, called it, the uh, elephant not in the living room. But uh, <laughs> one one of the things, uh, Bill, let me ask you, you know, this kind of I was struck by this and I know it's probably completely meaningless, but I was sort of struck by the fact that all of them on Wednesday night, except for Christy Hutchinson and. And Nikki Haley, obviously, were wearing what seemed to me as a clearly sort of trademark Trump red yeah. tie. All of yeah. them, Ramaswamy, Bergham, DeSantis, Tim Scott, even Mike Pence. Uh, I know, I know that's a, a popular choice among Republicans in general at debates, but all of the candidates except for Never Trumpers uh, Christie and and Hutchinson wearing these Trump ties. I couldn't help see that as a message to Donald Trump. Am I wrong? Am I am I alone in that?
4: Oh no, no. This is this is the problem. They they, um, Donald Trump was as absent from this debate as Marlon Brando was from the last five minutes of Godfather Two. <laughs> He's not there, but everybody's talking about him, and everybody's posturing, and everybody's trying to please him in his absence, and. Each of them is trying to assemble enough pieces of Donald Trump to become a plausible second place placer. Mm. And the way you do that is you start with the clothes you wear. And the clothes they wore were an imitation of Donald John Trump's fashion statement. Mm-hmm. And from there it was, and, and uh, Vivek did the best job of all of them of being an awful person to imitate Donald Trump because he did what Donald Trump did, which was actually listen to the base. Mm -hmm. Listen to Rush Limbaugh. Listen Mm -hmm. to Sean Hannity. What do these meatheads respond to? What do they want to hear? He just threw that out to them at every opportunity, which is all that Donald Trump did. He read the playbook. He understood what the base wanted to hear. Freaked out the donors because they didn't believe these people existed or, or would react this way. And got into the White House by telling the base exactly what it wanted to hear. That's what this was.
2: And Now, uh, Heather, uh, Godfather Two deep cuts aside, uh, <laughs> let's who and what is Vivek Ramaswamy, and is he a legit GOP phenomenon here, or is he one of those you know sort of infamous early stage GOP primary race you know Herman Cain style flashes in the pan?
5: Well, I, I actually I wasn't sure actually until last night because I hadn't really seen him in any extended sort of circumstance, mm-hmm. and I think he may be more than than that flash in the pan. I had thought that I thought he was the Ben Carson of twenty, you know, twenty twenty. There you go. There you go. You know. Um, But he's more than that. He really is. He's actually quite effective, I think, in doing exactly what Driftglass just said. He knows how to channel exactly what the base wants. And, you know, if you look into this guy even a little bit, and I didn't know much about him, setting aside his rather, you know, interesting business history... Because uh, he was in pharmaceuticals and, and even involved with Martin Shkreli at one point. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, this guy's got some real interesting stuff there, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is going to be fleshed out now that he has become more of a, a national figure. But he, even even if you just look at interviews that he did maybe five or six months ago, I mean, he was talking about climate change and he's talking about. I mean, he was you know pretty liberal guy, and suddenly. He has gone so full magna, MAGA that I'm actually wondering whether Trump's actually going to like him because maybe he's going to be jealous that he's doing it. You know, he's really going even further than Trump does. Yeah. Um, and his, you know, last night he was the first one on the stage to say
2: tr- climate Change is a hoax. Let me let me play yep. some of a that. Hoax. Yeah, let me let me. I, I and mean, I have to let listeners know. I I was wrong on our previous broadcast when I had suggested that it seemed impossible to think that Fox News moderators would actually raise a question about climate change. You can't even get MSNBC moderators to raise <laughs> those kind of questions. So they actually uh, stunned me in that they not only did, but they also did it early in the debate, resulting in an interesting exchange. Let me we some of that, uh, which also, yes, highlights Ramaswamy, and, and we'll discuss it on the other side.
1: More than a thousand people are still unaccounted for in Maui uh, after the deadliest U.S. wildfire in more than a century. Hawaii's governor and White House officials said that climate change apl- amplified the cost of human error.
3: And a tropical storm hit California for the first time in 84 years. The ocean hit 101 degrees off the coast of Florida.
0: And in the last month, the heat wave in the southwest broke records nearly 50 years old.
1: So Alexander Diaz from Young America's Foundation has a question for you all.
0: Polls consistently show that young people's number one issue is climate change. How will you, as both president of the United States and leader of the Republican Party, calm their fears that the Republican Party doesn't care about climate change? So, we want to start on this with uh, a show of hands. Do you believe in human behavior is causing climate change? Raise your hand if you do. Well, look, we're not school children. Let's have the debate. I mean, I'm happy to take it to start. Okay. Alexander, <laughs> so do you want to raise your hand or not? Let us be honest as Republicans. I'm the only person on the stage who isn't bought and paid for, so I can say this. The climate change agenda is a hoax. The climate change agenda is a hoax. The reality is, the anti carbon agenda is the wet blanket on our economy. And so the reality is, more people are dying of bad climate change policies than they are of actual climate Governor, change. Governor right, Haley, look, are you bothering Hold on, hold on. I've, listen, century.
1: listen, look, I've listen. Had it, no, let, uh, no, wait. Hold, no, hold no. on, hold I've on. I've had enough. <laughs> I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT <laughs> standing up here. <laughs>
2: Okay, so there's a lot there. Uh, Was the audience booing Ramaswamy's climate change is a hoax there or or that everyone else on the stage is is bought and sold? Uh, Who wants to take that? Who wants a shot at that?
5: Well, can I just say one thing? I mean, I, I don't know... I don't know what they were booing at. You know, the audience was planted with all their, you know, their supporters. Uh So it was really hard to tell what any of that meant. But I don't think, I don't think I just heard you catch the quote that really grabbed me from Ramaswamy on that. This isn't that complicated, guys. Uh Unlock American energy, drill, frack, burn coal, embrace nuclear. It's like, wow. I mean, just go for it, dude. Don't even try. Let's. Just you know, really, we're gonna we're gonna double down <laughs> on, yeah. on
2: you know greenhouse gases. Let's go for it. I Wh- mean, which I, is I very much what, shocked. which was very much what Trump did himself in uh, back in 2016. You know, said the quiet parts out loud. Obviously, that is what the Republican Party wants. But just just go for it. Just say it out loud.
5: Uh, yeah and deny deny climate change while you're doing it.
2: Yep. Uh Desi Doyen are just for the record are more people dying from bad climate change policies I, uh, than from actual climate change I can't remember his exact words there but uh, is there any basis at all for that claim that he was making?
3: Oh hell no! Of course not. Of course not. I mean we've seen hundreds of people dying just this year alone from heat waves and floods and and storms and all of the extreme wildfires weather. just from the wildfires. past week yeah. Yeah, so it's um, obviously it's nonsense and I, I'm, I'm actually uh, hoping that the looking into Ramaswamy's background will help reveal his past. Oh yeah, now I've completely flip-flopped and decided that it's completely awful and a hoax, which of course is nonsense and very dangerous for the country for Republicans to continue to deny and delay any kind of climate action because, as I've said before, this sets up communities to fail for when they get hit with extreme weather because Republicans are refusing to fund any kind of adaptation or mitigation. And I also want to point out one other thing, um, that because DeSantis jumped in so quickly on Martha McCollum's question about a show of hands. Mm. So he jumped in so fast so that there was no way anybody could get on record. That's what I think he was doing, because he then did not talk about climate change. He talked about some other nonsense. Asa Hutchinson began to raise his hand, and then when DeSantis jumped in, he put his hand down. Uh, Haley said that, yes, it is real, but she refused to acknowledge that it's human-caused. But she tacitly admitted it when she said China and India have to cut their emissions. Well, why? If it's not (laughs) human caused, why? Same thing with Tim (laughs) Scott also said, hey, we've cut our emissions by 50 percent in the United States. Well, why does that matter if it's not human caused? So, you know, they're lying. They're trying to avoid having to say anything. And I want to add one more thing on the climate section. Navigator Research uh, was tracking the real-time response with focus groups to the debate, Mm -hmm. and they said that as Vivek Ramaswamy called climate change a hoax, our independent dial participants' attitudes dropped across the board, particularly among women. So I don't think that's going to be a big sales point for them.
2: Uh, Drift Glass, why was uh, Ramaswamy the the target of uh, so many of the candidates last night? DeSantis, Pence, Haley? Uh, Nikki Haley, et cetera. Why is this 38-year-old kid presumably regarded as a threat by so many on that stage, even before they got to the stage on Wednesday night? We know that DeSantis was was planning to uh, or was told that he should go after him. That sort of makes sense because Ramaswamy was in third place. But why were the rest going after Ramaswamy but not after DeSantis?
4: Well, first of all, they're not sending their best friends. Oh, okay. Now, maybe some Republicans are good people, but they're not sending their best. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Ramaswamy is a threat. Uh, uh, Ramaswamy is a threat. He's a threat because he is the most closely proximate to, to Donald Trump in the way he approaches everything. Mm. And actually, this whole thirty-second—you get thirty seconds if someone mentions you a thing—he turned to his advantage, which was, I'll just be the biggest a-hole on the stage. I'll attack True. everybody. I'll interrupt everybody. Right. And then they'll re- react to me, and then i will go to Martha and say, Martha, what about my 30 seconds? And he is faster, talks faster, and has more clipped, short, lying answers than anybody else on stage. Mm. And that makes him dangerous. And I think, I mean, putting him next to uh, Mike Pence was hilarious. Because <laughs> Mike Pence is, delivers it all by slow break. Mike Pence wants to tell you about the Ronald Reagan Bible and about Jesus and about how much he loves his family. Next to him, Vivek Ramaswamy looks like a different species. Uh He looks like a raptor compared to some slow-moving toad that raptors eat. Mm. And that's got to scare everybody because he's the guy who they think is going to stomp uh, Ron DeSantis and come out on top, and that scares all of them. So they couldn't mount a coherent defense. They all took their shots. This is like 2016. They couldn't come together to stop one person. They tried, but they were too busy shouting and playing to the audience and dodging questions and so forth. Um, He's just better at this than they
2: are. Mm. And, uh, i got to say that's impressive for a 38-year-old guy who's never been in politics to uh, read the tea leaves, you know, watch the, the last eight years or so of Donald Trump and come out and make that his own. Maybe that'll be a reason for Donald Trump to get back into the debates well, or I mean, a, name to, a reason to name him as his uh, vice presidential choice.
4: Well, uh, Nikki Haley is running Mitt Romney's campaign mm-hmm. and and Mike Pence is running 2012 Evangelical Iowa campaign. Everybody else is running a different campaign from a different era, it seems like, when people mm. cared about policy and they want to talk about climate change, they want to talk about the budget. And he's the only one who seems to really understand because he's rehearsed it, he's practiced it, that that's not what the mob wants to hear.
2: That it doesn't the matter. The
4: hear the hoax. Yep. It doesn't matter. And so he's playing directly to the crowd and everyone else is trying to be a politician who, with a policy and and couching their language in language they think that people at some sliver of that mob will understand. And I don't think he's gonna win, but I certainly think he's the biggest threat on the stage because he's just, he's a, he's a raptor among rabbits.
2: Let's take a quick break here, and we will come back with our special coverage of the first Republican presidential primary debate of the season uh, out of Milwaukee with our special guests, Driftglass and Digby. And uh, speaking of Mike Pence, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about him. And uh, whether he's a relic or a uh, shocking survivor, that's all straight ahead and much more on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial.
0: (laughs)
3: And thanks.
0: I took an oath
2: to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. And everyone on
0: this stage needs
2: to make it clear whether or not they'll do the same. The American people deserve to know that the president asked me in his request that I reject or return votes unilaterally, power that no vice president in American history had ever exercised or taken, Uh, he asked me to put him over the Constitution. And uh, I chose the Constitution, and I always will. I had no first right to overturn passed. the election, and Kamala Harris will have no right to overturn the election when we beat them in
0: 2024.
2: Oh, the <laughs> Welcome back. It's Brad Cast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Special coverage of Wednesday night's first of the season, 2024 Republican Presidential debate in Milwaukee, Wisconsin with our special guest, Heather Digby Parton of Salon Drift Glass of the Pro-Left Podcast. All right. Well, that was uh, you heard Mike Pence there, uh, who I thought uh, actually was. And I know we talked a little bit about him before. He's a bit of a relic, uh, which maybe is an understatement. But he was actually surprisingly steady, even standing up to uh or yeah to uh vivek ramaswamy regarding the idea of pardoning donald trump
0: well mike why don't you say this join me in making a commitment that on day one you would pardon donald trump i'm the only candidate on the stage who had the courage to actually say it that, I don't know and why turn the page forward. That's exactly Trump right. Will be convicted of these crimes. You should <laughs> make be able to make a commitment. The same oh, justice system that was the this. There's the difference between you and, and me. Yeah, I'm not a professional I've politician. Actually, That's I've the difference. who can answer uh, a question. I've actually
2: given pardons when I was governor of the state of Indiana. It usually follows a finding of guilt and contrition by the individual that's been convicted. So if I'm president in the United States, we'll give fair consideration any pardon requests. Heather Digby-Parton, I know that I keep coming back to you over all of these shows asking you about Mike Pence, but uh, (laughs) uh, has he been underestimated after so many years in the shadow of Trump? Now, whether the party will ever go for someone like uh, Mike Pence uh, remains to be seen, but if Trump, for some reason does not end up as the nominee uh, uh, coming up. There's going to be a whole bunch of these people who are going to be looked at again. So in that regard, has Pence been underestimated uh, being in the shadow of Trump for so many years? And is there any possibility, if Donald Trump gets out, that his party could ever even consider Mike Pence at this time?
5: Uh, no, uh, okay. I'm going to go. Just, just yeah, that's it. Right. Uh, I, I will just say that that I, I want to you know sort of echo what what uh, Driftglass said, which is that you know these people are all doing campaigns from another era, and Pence is doing the same thing. Uh, he was a little bit more lively last night in the debate than he was you know than he normally is, which he really is very very. Slow in delivery, and you know he has this kind of. I think he's trying to do a George W. Bush impression. You know, it's mm. it's really unpleasant to watch. But <laughs> I, I still come back to the to the same old thing with him, which is that he he has no constituency. There's nobody mm-hmm. left in there. I mean, if it, if he's supposedly he was going to be the leader of the evangelicals, and he is a sincere evangelical Christian. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's that guy. Yeah. And they don't care. They don't. They love Trump, and they, the Trump is you know. I mean, he's a criminal. He's a liberal. He's a he's a you know, adjudicated rapist for God's sakes, and you know the evangelicals love him all the more. So that he doesn't have any any constituency in the Republican Party anymore, and as it turns out, he doesn't have any constituency even in you know anywhere else in that lane you know that Mm. that supposed lane of moderates or whatever because first of all he's not a moderate and he's he's a hardcore far-right conservative so like uh, desi mentioned this navigator uh focus group that they did in real time last night and he came out as second only to ramaswamy among that group as having the worst performance Mm. i mean way worse than desantis who apparently nobody he they got a zero percent no Nobody thought he did badly at all. And and but Pence is way up there. People just the guy is just just reeks <laughs> of, you know, of hypocrisy for his for standing there for four years with, um you know, with Donald Trump and looking at him at adoringly at no matter what he said. And then somehow sort of now he's seeking this sort of heroic role. Nobody buys it. And in fact, just one more thing about yeah. him, just just to say. This is a guy. He called for a 15 week national abortion ban, which is horrific and awful. But this is a guy who thinks that abortion is murder. And now suddenly he's doing a it's not murder up to 15, 15 weeks. weeks yeah. I mean, really, really, Mike? I mean, that I'm sure that the Susan B. Anthony people were just gasping in horror when they heard that from him, because you, he's the last guy you'd expect to say that.
2: You know, I I uh uh Heather and And Driftglass here. I I'm old enough we're we're all old enough to remember when we would actually do these uh post debate coverage uh, specials and we would actually talk about issues and we would do fact checks and uh you know talk about <laughs> position statements from the various candidates. I, it's not that I don't want to do that now, but aside from uh you know a few differences some of which you mentioned there uh, Heather regarding abortion and certainly on the southern border, which seems to be the only issue they actually pretend even to care about at this point, they've got no issues. They've got no policies. Everything else is culture war. So we're sort of stuck discussing you know the cosmetics. How do they come across to this party? To that end, I was sort of struck by Chris Christie's sort of half-hearted attempt to attack Donald Trump, uh, and 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 you know, and that I think he thinks he might be able to somehow save the Republican Party from itself. I don't know if he's right about that, but if that is the case, if Chris Christie is to be the one to save it. Uh, it begs the question of whether it's really a party worth saving at this <laughs> point. But he, he didn't make much of a stand as, as against Trump as much as expected, but there was this exchange uh, between him and Ramaswamy.
1: Someone's got to stop normalizing this conduct, okay? You sit here talking about how you want to stand up for the rule of law yes. and law and order. And the fact is that it can't be selective. And here's the thing, we've stood up for law and order. I did it as U.S. attorney. I did it as governor. And I am not gonna bow to anyone when we have a president of the United States who disrespects the Constitution. He said,
0: he said, he said... It's
1: important to say that the president said, Donald Trump said, it's okay to suspend the Constitution. Now, the oath you take is to preserve, protect, and defend, not suspend. I will always stand up for our Constitution
2: regardless of the political pressure. Right,
0: we have another question for you. We're going to get everybody-
2: Now, you heard some of the hooting and hollering there, but uh, Drift Glass, I noticed the, the one thing that the audience seemed to have trouble booing was when Chris Christie or even Mike Pence. Uh, when they put what Trump did in terms of violating the Constitution. Did you notice that? They couldn't boo that if they called him out, called out Trump for violating the Constitution. Mike Pence did something uh, similar. The, um, you know, the rabid crowd sort of sat on their hands when he was, when uh, he was described, when Trump was described as violating the Constitution. Is that an opening for a Christie or a Pence or, frankly, any of the others? Or am I imagining that as well?
4: I would like to quote Digby and say no. That is not an opening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I'm I remember trying, a, I'm um, trying. Yeah. an Access Hollywood tape that was going to take Trump out, take him off to the knees. Uh-huh. Um, the base just sits on their hands and closes their eyes and, and gets very uncomfortable until the moment passes. And then they go right back to who they were. Mm. Um In the context of Mike Pence, you know, I'm sure you are familiar with the fact that a whole bunch of evangelicals are now, like, dissing Jesus for being for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. They don't want to hear this forgiveness nonsense. They don't want to hear this compassion BS. Mm -hmm. That's weak. That's weakness. And these are Christians, uh, fake Christians, but Christians who believe this stuff. And in that context, Pence thinks he's Paul. But he's not. He's Judas. And they have a solution for Judas, and that's him. So there's no constituency anywhere in the party for Pence. And and, uh, Chris Christie has the same problem, which is he keeps talking about the Constitution, which is great in the abstract. But when was the last time any of these people cared about the actual law? Mm. You know, uh, Nikki Haley had the same problem. She's trying to explain how Congress works to people who don't care how Congress works an army on the Mexican border, and that's illegal. You can't just pardon people because you want to, because—and nobody in the audience wants to hear. The base doesn't want to hear that. They want to hear, the president is a dictator. He can do whatever he wants, because that's the the nature of the office, and the true enemies are the liberals among us, the cucks out there who are squishy rhinos and and people across the border. Well— And and whatever's necessary to take those people out is what we will do.
2: I, you know— I still think, and and well, we'll talk about it a little bit after the break, but I I still think that there um, is—I can't shake the feeling that somehow Donald Trump uh, is— Somehow, not going to end up being on the ballot next November, and I, I suspect. I know you go. Go ahead, laugh. I hear you, Digby. I know. I understand. Well, we had this conversation. I know, before. and we're going to keep having it. I suspect they're, they're for quite so a while. Horrible to say, really. I, 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 that's fine. That's fine. Uh, but here was uh, Nikki Haley uh, making a actually a surprisingly strong shot at Trump. You know, I sort of thought she was running for uh, vice president. I'm not so sure Uh, after this. We'll talk about it on the other side here.
3: I do think that Vice President Pence did the right thing, and I do think that we need to give him credit for that. But when it comes to whether President Trump should serve or not, I trust the American people. Let them vote. Let them decide. But what they will tell you is that it is time for a new generational conservative leader. We have to look at the fact that three-quarters of Americans don't want a rematch between Trump and Biden. And we have to face the fact that Trump is the most disliked politician politician in America. We can't win a general election that way. I think she's already been told she's not going to be vice president. Apparently, for Trump. apparently. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I so but a lot of people in that audience seem to like the idea of a new generation of conservative leadership. It sounded like to me, it sounded in fact like more people were applauding for that than uh, you know when she uh, said that Donald Trump can't win. And it does seem notable that everyone on that stage, I think said that Mike Pence did do the right thing in not stealing the election for Donald Trump on January 6th. So uh, they and, and they didn't get booed when they did. I think there is an undercurrent of people who get it, who even if they like Donald Trump, who get it, who realize this guy is, you know, among the easiest for the uh, Democrats and Joe Biden uh, to beat next year. Who wants to take a turn to tell me that I'm wrong? Oh, I see. Well, well, yes, say it well. yes. I will.
4: I will step right in. Okay, thank um, you. First of all, now we can now we understand why Nikki Haley was wearing virgin white to the debate.
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah, she
4: she got the message. She's not going to uh, be at the altar. Uh huh. Um, the um, the problem she faces is the problem all of them faces. Yeah, there's an undercurrent of 17% or 23% or 42% of people in the party who would like someone other than Donald Trump. But the argument that let voters decide, for example, uh, what's the rebuttal to that? They already did. They voted for him in 2020, and he and he was robbed of the election. And that's a, there's a whole bunch of Republicans who believe that. You can't make the argument that Donald Trump was wrong in trying to overthrow the election and raise your hand and say, of course I'd support him if he's the nominee, which is exactly what Mike Pence did. Mm. He nukes his own argument. You can't make the argument that Donald Trump was unfairly treated, can't win when at the the same token you validate people who say, but he did win Mm -hmm. and he was cheated out of his election. And that's an unscribable offense. You've got to do one or the other. And I don't think any of them are going to be able to do that. Now, Donald Trump might, get, might fall out of a plane. He might go to jail. A lot of things might happen. Right. But someone is going to step up and, and take his mantle and run as the next guy. And it won't be uh, a happy thing. It won't be Nikki Haley, that's for sure. The base will decide who the next president is, or the nominee, I should say. Yeah. I firmly convinced Biden's going to win. But the nominee is going to come out of the hardcore primary and caucus voting Republican base. Those people are freaking
2: nuts. Let's take a quick break uh, and come back uh, <laughs> to talk about some of those fricking nut, nuts people and who might take Trump, Donald Trump's place if, I know it's impossible, but if he doesn't actually end up on the ballot next year. Uh, special coverage on the Bradcast with Heather Digby-Parton and Drift Glass and, of course, Desi Doyne continues straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. hey this is brad please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you most just like us do not receive corporate or political support we all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber from desi doyan and myself thank you
0: let's just speak the truth okay president trump i believe was the best president of the 21st century Yeah,
2: that Vivek Ramaswamy really does seem to love Donald Trump, doesn't he? Welcome back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Closing few minutes of our special coverage of the first GOP presidential primary debate on uh, Wednesday night up in Milwaukee in the battleground state of Wisconsin with Heather Digby-Parton and Driftglass and, of course, Desi Doyen here. Uh, all right, uh, guys, let's sort of go around the table here. Um who on uh, on the stage on Wednesday night uh, would have a better chance—never uh, mind whether this will happen, I do understand. Driftglass, uh, let's start with you. Who would have a better chance of beating Joe Biden than Donald Trump would? Oh, that's a good question. Thank you. Finally, I came up with something.
4: <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to cheat a little bit and say no one. No, Uh, because I don't believe if Trump loses, he will go gentle into that good night. Uh I believe he will mount a third party campaign or he'll burn the party down Mm -hmm. before letting anyone else win. So, uh, you know, Chris Christie might have a shot. Nikki Haley in some alternate universe where that counted might have a shot. Vivek might have a shot because he's young and he's hungry and he's a man eater. Mm -hmm. But I don't think Trump's going to let anyone else crowd him out, even if he loses
2: uh heather your thoughts on that on who who would uh, have a better chance of of defeating joe biden than donald trump
5: well i agree with driftglass that if trump loses the um the nomination that he you know he's not going to concede gracefully we know that much so right. i think that, that that everything gets blown up if that happens however if something happens uh, you know, he gets sick or is, you know, unable, right. you know, falls over on the golf course or something. Right. Um, or gets dis- I, or
2: gets disqualified from the ballot under the uh, third section of the uh, 14th Amendment. Uh, anything, anything yeah, that could happen. happen. But, I understand.
5: yeah, the most likely uh, thing that will take him out, I think, would be him over on the golf course that's the one thing that is is actually plausible okay. to me as a, as that happening okay and should that happen i honestly think just judging from last night on the thing i think out of that group i have to say i think nikki haley probably has the best chance mm. i know that sounds crazy but uh, you know they could make a shift at that point. That's a moment where you know the party could go, oh my God! You know, be mourning for, for Trump, and there'd be all kinds of weeping and wailing and God knows so that, of teeth.
2: So that that yeah. question, that or that answer that's not uh, do you think that she would have a better chance of defeating joe biden than that's would what donald I'm saying.
5: trump she'd have a better chance because she's not she didn't come off last night anyway and there is a lot about her that's you know really unacceptable but compared to everybody else she's the only one that i could see independence and maybe the suburban women and some of the others who've you know left the republican party giving the republicans a second look and saying well maybe we do need a generational change and the first woman president you know, I could see that happening, and yeah. and looking at her as being a non crazy. Uh, Republican that they could vote for, so uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't want that. God knows, but I mean, that would be that would be logical to me. But who knows? I mean, maybe they, you know, the Republicans would just go all in for Ramaswamy. Now, I mean, see, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, no,
3: I have uh, my my uh, thought of that is similar, but I think that if Trump was not to be the nominee for whatever reason, that the MAGA folks would go for Desantis because he's the one that they believe is as crazy as they are, as fascist as they are. But also could win. But would among he have a better
2: chance of beating Donald Trump? No,
3: I, I mean no. beating Biden. I
2: beat Biden. Yeah.
3: No, yeah. I think no. also that Nikki Haley would be the one who had the best chance of beating Biden because I think she'd be the one that has the best, closest chance of attracting moderate Republicans who are not, you know, MAGA nuts and uh, independents, you know, because she could be just a stain enough to attract those people who would say, oh, I don't want to vote for a Democrat. I don't want to vote for Biden, but I can. I can manage Haley. But, because she's not that crazy. But the, and that
5: Navigator
3: yeah. thing, that Navigator focus group last night, she won the debate hands down as far
5: as mm. they were
2: concerned. Interesting. So, I, I mean, and this is sort of one of my points, is that if, and I know that this is almost unthinkable at this point, but if the Republican Party comes to their senses, they will realize that there are better candidates, even on the their own stage right now, if they're interested in Winning. I'm not so sure they're interested in winning. I think that a lot of this has to do with, you know, having grievances at this point. And sure, run Donald Trump. He loses again. We can, uh, you know, have our grievance uh, or complaints for the next four years. The grievance again. gravy train. Yeah, exactly. But um, because that's so it's sort of a question of who will be. Who would have a better chance of beating Joe Biden? And then, you know, it seems like all of them are running for really one of four reasons. They want to be president. They want to be vice president. They want to either hurt or block Donald Trump or boost their own career, but that they're all running on the premise that Donald Trump could collapse at any minute under you know, whether it's on the golf course, as Digby suggests, or through these indictments or anything else, setting aside whether it will happen for a moment, if it were to happen, and I've just got about 30 seconds from each of you, if it were to happen, um, who would then become the front runner? And it seems difficult to believe it would be Ron DeSantis. Uh, Driftglass? Uh, I
4: actually, I'm going to modify my answer and say I like the symmetry of Nikki Haley is to drop-dead Donald Trump as Nikita Khrushchev is to Stalin. She'd leap over his grave for 10 minutes, right? and then now we must move forward, and she would do some other things. So I, I like the symmetry of that answer, so that's my answer today.
2: Okay, uh Des, you got one. I. What was the question? uh If <laughs> if D- Donald Trump suddenly
3: right is became not there, not then,
2: the uh, candidate, then who would who, the Republicans, who would be the front runner? Well, I, yeah. I, I think I said that be? already.
3: I think the MAGA folks are the ones that will turn out in the primary more than anybody else. They'll choose DeSantis. That's my guess.
2: Gotcha, Digby.
5: I'm going to go under those circumstances with DeSantis too. They won't like it because they don't really like him, but mm-hmm. he's the. The Trump guy, you know, he's the closest thing they've got, and he's not as exotic as Ramaswamy. They can't say his last name, so they're not going to vote. For him.
2: <laughs> and uh, Donald Trump was he? Uh, obviously, he's a coward, and you know, showed his usual amount of disrespect for his own party by not, and his supporters by not showing up to the debate. But that said, uh, not really a surprise uh, by any you know to anyone anymore that he would do that. But was he right to not show up to this debate? Exit question, yes or no, starting with Desi Doyen.
3: Yes, he was right not to show up.
2: Uh, Drift Glass.
4: Yes, he was, and Will Hurd lucked out not being part of this goat rodeo.
2: Mm. <laughs> Will Hurd lucked out not being there. All right, and Digby, you've got the final word. Was it right, uh, was it smart for Donald Trump to not show up?
5: Absolutely. He didn't need to. Ramaswamy was there in his stead, so it was fine. <laughs>
2: There you go. Well done, all of you. Thank you so much. That was Heather Digby-Parton. You can find her work every day at salon.com and every day at digbysblog.net and every day on the site formerly known as Twitter at digby 56 you can also find our friend Bill, otherwise known as Mr. Electrico, on the uh, on the old Twitter site uh, and known as Driftglass on the Pro-Left podcast, the weekly Pro-Left podcast, which you can download and uh, get more info on at proleftpod.com. And did I say on the—yeah, Mr. Underscore Electrico over at what we used to call Twitter. Hey, thanks, guys. Greatly appreciated. I suspect we're going to be talking to you much more in the weeks ahead. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Okay, we have got to get out, but I want. To, uh, we didn't even get to talk about DeSantis saying that he wants to invade Mexico.
3: I know, and the other Republicans just being like, okay. That's fine, yeah. Let's, let's invade Mexico they and actually, kill people.
2: He said that, and also, yeah, when people cross the border, let's kill them with lethal force. Just shoot them. He actually said that, and that's actually what the party seems to stand for right now. Anyway, I have got to get out. My thanks again to uh, Digby and Driftglass, of course, to my producer, Desi Doyen, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other we have ever done, you can download all of them for free at bradblog.com. There is no paywall there, thanks to those of you who Hit one of them donate buttons when you stop by Bradblog or uh, go straight to bradblog.com slash donate. We are off for a number of reasons over the next week or so. We will be back after the Labor Day holiday, hopefully promptly after that. There are still some questions about some construction uh, at our home studio and so forth. But hopefully we will see you after the Labor Day holiday. Hopefully you stay safe. And everything is okay until we are back. Uh, you can find me. You can drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. You can find me on the Facebook's Mastodons site, formerly known as Twitter, at the TheBradBlog. See you there. Until we see you here, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. See
1: you
0: hey.